0: all been there haven't we we've needed a wake-up call maybe there was some big day ahead we had to wake up a bit earlier than normal and uh, we needed a wake-up call perhaps sometimes someone that we love just gently tiptoes into the room and says honey it's time to get up the problem is it's all too easy if a wake-up call is too soft and gentle uh, that we just roll back over and ignore it and doze back off to sleep for another 15 minutes Um, and then we end up being late for whatever that big day uh, was so a wake-up call can't be too soft and gentle sometimes something drastic is required as this next little clip will show no way sir ah. Thank you so much Okay, so welcome back now what we're going to consider today uh, in the Word of God is a Spiritual wake-up call and it's kind of similarly shocking. This isn't too soft and gentle We're going to look at God's Word the words of Jesus to a particular church in a place called Sardis and you can find that message in Revelation right at the end of the New Testament Revelation chapter 3 Uh, Verse 1 to 6, which I will uh, read. Here we go. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I've not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will be like them, dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So there we have it loud and clear Jesus' wake-up call to the church in Sardis. No, he doesn't really have much or indeed anything positive to say about this uh, church. In some respects, it even appears disastrous in that they're dead. He tells them they're dead. And maybe that's then uh, an exaggeration, but only a slight one. Uh, To try and grab their attention They're in a dangerous situation This is perilous and they really need to wake up So that's Jesus message to this church And what I want us to consider is Well, perhaps there is a wake-up call for us Perhaps there is a wake-up call for God's church right around the globe Um, and if that's the case then it's out of love and concern that God would uh, bring it to us, not to, uh, to condemn, but there is a criticism, there is a challenge and one that perhaps we need to hear. Uh, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, Ginny, in one of the meetings, was, was sharing a dream or a vision uh, that God showed her just a few years ago about a wake-up call coming uh, to the church. In fact, it was the world calling on the church. Wake up and call on your God. Now, it's all too easy sometimes to hear something like that and think, yes, I'm sure that's relevant then for Christians out there, other churches, maybe in other nations, not us. Thank goodness that we're already awake. Well, as we'll kind of consider as we go through, the strange thing about being asleep in the natural is that we don't know that we're asleep. We only know that we were asleep once we've woken up. So it's a relevant question to consider Are we awake? And So let's consider this seriously. Today, we're just going to start on that journey. I'm not sure exactly uh, where it will lead entirely But we want to give like proper serious consideration to God's wake-up call. Now, as we look through this passage today i are uh, going to answer or look at three questions about this spiritual wake-up call. Firstly How does a church actually fall asleep anyway? This shows us that a good church, you know, they had received and heard the truth and they'd made a start in a life of faith But this shows us that a good church can become a sleepy church and that a sleepy church can even then become a dead church It's just not there. There's no Christian witness at all. It doesn't have the name of Jesus stamped on it anymore So if that's the case, how does a church fall asleep? And perhaps this is not too dissimilar for what it's like for any of us to fall asleep. Well, what do we do? How do, how do you do it? Um, you know, if someone were coming to me and saying, I'm just, I'm just struggling to get to sleep, I'd say this. I'd say, well Lie down. You're unlikely to fall asleep stood up. So what happens first of all is that a church kind of learns to lie down. What does that mean? Well, Assume a low profile. That's what I think had happened in Sardis. God's people there didn't want to stand out. They did, didn't want to Um, kind of loudly testify about Jesus, they wanted to keep a low profile. So in subtle ways, perhaps, they were deciding that it was best for them to kind of compromise with the culture around them. Now, the culture around them was pagan. They were worshipping all sorts of different gods, and they would have been tempted to just dial down their enthusiasm for Jesus, not speak about his name so much, maybe join in with a few things that their pagan neighbours were getting involved in, um, so as to not cause offence, so as to blend in. Um, It speaks later on of of clothes being soiled or stained, by just joining in with stuff that other people are doing. That is not worshipping Jesus. It's worshipping something else or someone else. It's idolatry uh, So the church inside Sardis they'd learnt to lie down What else do we do when we try and get to sleep? Well, we get comfy Just try and get everything really comfy so that we can thoroughly uh, Relax and I think God's church can uh, fall asleep when its focus is on comfort Just getting as comfortable uh, as possible and um, God is not against comfort and pleasure per se, but it's never intended, it's the goal of our life. The goal of the Christian life is not to be comfortable, it's not to be taking it easy in every situation. Following Jesus will mean following him into challenges, it will mean following him sometimes into suffering or even persecution. And as we follow him, the goal is not comfort, the goal is to be more like him, uh, to make more disciples for him. And so really this asks us the question, this challenges us, and perhaps this is even what we're considering right now in this strange season when we've been experiencing the effects of a pandemic one way or another. It gets us to ask the question, what am I living for? What really is my purpose? What's getting me up in the morning? When so much can change and when so much is uncertain, maybe that's the reason why you're even watching this at all. It's because the recent events, they've shaken you. They've shocked you. Uh, You've just been living life in a certain way and and, and now you're kind of thinking, well, what should my life be like? How should I live? Um, Paul has some fairly uh, strong words when he writes to uh, his friend Timothy in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 5 and verse 6 Uh, Speaking of widows and the care that should go to those who are most vulnerable in society He still says this though in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 6, but the widow who lives for pleasure is even dead while she lives. It's kind of a very stark thing to say. If we're just living for pleasure, then in some respects we'll not be living uh, for God. Again, there would be ways in which God provides, and he graciously provides us things to enjoy. But the goal of life is not just to experience pleasure, it's to know him better. So what are we living for? Are we living for comfort, or are we living for God? And how else do we uh, fall asleep? Well, we stay still. We lie down, we get comfy, and we stay still. Now when you're doing that, and you're trying to drop off to sleep um, in an evening, especially now when it's summer, and it's still possibly light outside, you can hear things with windows open. That's it. your, Your body is still, but you're still thinking. You can still hear things, and you can still listen. You can't really stop listening, but you can stop doing things, and you can be still. A church falls asleep when it's still listening, it's still hearing, but it's no longer doing. There's like a disconnect, if you like. Still hearing truth, still receiving, still thinking about what might be true, if you like. But it's no longer followed through in actions. Uh, Jesus can speak to this church and say, I've not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. It's not full, it's not rounded. There's something lacking, and maybe that's because they've just had a focus on on listening, but not doing Thinking, but not changing So the wake-up call comes, remember therefore what you've received and heard, obey it and repent There's a call not just to listen and to remember and to hear But to do To repent, to turn away from old habits that don't belong with this new lifestyle of faith in Jesus Uh, to turn away and to do uh, in following Christ. Uh, Paul prays at the beginning of his letter to the Philippians uh, and says his prayer is that our love may abound more and more in depth of insight and in knowledge. So knowledge, what we know about God is supposed to grow our insight is supposed to deepen, so there is a place, obviously, for thinking and meditating on what's true and listening and paying attention. But the goal of life is to love more. The goal, that's why we're starting every meeting. Loving God, loving our neighbour. What does that mean? What does that look like? It needs consideration on our part. What are we going to do as a result of what we've heard? That's, that's the question that will be on the minds of a fully alert people. So we can get sleepy if we just focus on hearing, but not doing So that's how a church can fall asleep. How does a church wake up? And like I said earlier on, we're not always We're never aware of actually being asleep No one knows precisely what time they fell asleep But once we've woken up we can look back and consider did we sleep well and all that kind of stuff Perhaps recent events Have been like an alarm going off you know, just think back a little bit of time in, in this country. What was the disaster? What was the big news? What was shaking everyone's sense of security? was a result of the Brexit referendum. Come a bit further forward, more recent times, a global pandemic has locked down pretty much the entire world. Suddenly we're shaken afresh. And then even that wasn't the only thing. Uh, George Floyd was killed in the United States, and there's another shock wave that goes around the globe. And maybe these are, for us, like an alarm going off. And it's possible just to hit the snooze button and roll back over and drop back to sleep. But what is God saying? What is God doing? And And in what sort of ways does he want us to wake up as a church, as his people? Is that in fact what's happening right now? That in some respect, on a spiritual level, the world is calling out to the church, saying we need you to wake up so you can call on God, because we need him. In some ways, um, maybe that's what's going on at the moment. And so then we have to be able to consider, maybe our current version of living the Christian life is a very sleepy one. We might not realise that we're asleep but that's what we're being prompted to consider. Maybe believers from previous generations or even centuries would easily be able to spot it looking at church in the UK or in the West uh, in the present time. These guys are very sleepy in their faith. So I'm not saying that as a condemnation but I want us to really consider it. I want us to really pray about it and I want us to consider what do we do? How do we wake up? How do we make sure that we're awake? Here's a few ideas. Well, the first thing is Get up Stand up get on your feet, you know, if you've been asleep And you wake up But you stay lying down. The chances are it's a reasonable possibility. We're just going to drop off to sleep again So we need to get up. We need to rouse ourselves. What does that mean? I think it means in ways that are kind of uh, Relevant uh, for each and every one of us in our different situations is about standing up and actually making it clear I am with jesus I Follow him. You know, that's what struck people about the uh, the first disciples the first followers of jesus They could be taken into the temple courts. They could be arrested um, uh, As it were put on trial in a way that wasn't too dissimilar to what happened to jesus Uh, but they could note These are just ordinary guys, but they've been with Jesus We want it to be clear to the world that we're with Jesus that we've been with him that we're following him that we're Obeying him and therefore we're talking about him. We're more concerned with his name than our own When it says or when Jesus says to this church, you have a reputation of being alive It's kind of what he's saying. You have a name for being alive. Maybe they were just more interested in their own name Their own reputation, but now for God's people about standing up and saying actually what concerns me most is Jesus name and his reputation I want to honor him. I want to speak up for him. I'm going to share my faith I'm going to pray. I'm going to I'm going to be an obvious Follower of Jesus rather than just lying down and trying to hope that no one notices And maybe as well that sense of standing up becoming vertical if you like means also Focusing on our vertical relationship with the Lord rather than just on Focusing on the neighbors that we're trying to love. It's looking to our God and first of all Focusing on our love for him Growing and deepening that yeah, we're called to love our neighbor But that flows from a knowledge of God's love for us and of our love for him So maybe that's the fresh focus on Knowing Jesus, walking with him. Now maybe it's tempting even at this point to think, Oh yeah, this is really interesting, this is really helpful. And perhaps what I really need to do is just listen a bit more. And maybe that's true. But again, let's not just make our life about listening, hearing, amassing more knowledge and information, but working out, okay, how am I going to take steps to express my faith in Jesus? So let's get up. Let's get dressed. That's what happens when we get out of bed. We we get clean and we put on our clothes. Um, the clothes of the people in Sardis. Many of them are, are soiled and stained with compromise and sin. You know, if we're aware of compromise and sin, or areas where we've been living for pleasure, ungodly pleasure, it kind of gets at our conscience. We know it's not great. We know it's not right. But We kind of still indulge. Well now is the time. Don't wait for another message. Now is the time to get that clean To change, you know, this isn't the only church that receives a bit of a wake-up call Uh, The Romans do as well. So you can turn to book of Romans chapter 13 and I'll read from verse uh, 11 it says do this he's referring to loving neighbors Do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armour of light. Let us behave decently uh, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature We're to put off all of those old Desires that belong to the sinful nature or the flesh as it were and we're to clothe ourselves with Christ So let's get dressed. Let's get clean. Let's get sorted and third let's have some breakfast That's what we do when we wake up in the morning. We have something to eat. helps us to get going. A whole day stretches out before us and we need to kind of store up. We need energy. We need sustenance if we're going to do it. Now we can't just plow on into lots and lots of activity with no calories uh, coming into our body at all. So in the same way as God's people, we need something to eat. We need God's Word. That's what sustains us. That's what helps us. Uh, to repent and obey Otherwise what we're doing is we ass- we're assuming that we already know what's best We're assuming we already understand it. It's just a case of using my willpower and trying a bit harder But sometimes we don't we've got hidden faults. There are things going on in our lives and we need the Word of God to shine into us And our effort isn't enough It's we're called to live by faith and we need to feed and encourage that faith by seeing what God has done In his word that leads us to repentance. It leads us into obedience, but that which is fueled by faith uh, Rather than just human effort and ideas That's how a church wakes up Um, Now the third question We might have to consider is this Is it is it really worth? waking up or Would it just be better to stay here? It's comfortable it's warm, it's cosy, can't I just stay here, all wrapped up? And in some respects, the choice is with us. Could do, but is that the best? Is that, is that the real life that God has planned for us? Let's not just prefer dreamland to reality. However good a dream might be, it's not real. And real life might have some challenges to it. it. might not always be comfortable But that's the life that God wants us to lead us in. God wants to lead us in So is it is it worthwhile? Well, we've got to heed the warning the warning that Jesus brings to that particular church If you don't wake up, I will come like a thief and you'll not know at what time I will come to you, you know, There are worse things than being woken up by an alarm It's being woken up by a thief or by some house fire or some other disaster. No We're being spared that if we pay attention to what Jesus is saying. So is it really worth it? Well, let's have a look. Let's consider the wonderful promises, the blessings and encouragements uh, that this passage of scripture uh, brings to our attention along with this uh, wake-up call. There's any number of things we could talk about that make it worthwhile us waking up. Firstly, we get the opportunity to walk with Jesus what could be better than that that's already the case for those few people in Sardis who've not soiled their clothes you'll notice from verse 4 they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy they're walking with Jesus they're in fellowship with Jesus they're getting to know Jesus better that's on a path that sometimes does involve suffering that's the way that Jesus went and that's the way that we're called to go as well but knowing this that it When Jesus had suffered to the maximum everything that he experienced, he then had the power of God come upon his body and raise him to new life. And that's what God has available for us. That power is at work in and through and for us. When we might be feeling our weakest, most challenged Or Even persecuted you see right at the beginning of this message. It's kind of hinted at in the very way that Jesus starts These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God That might sound strange, but the number seven kind of represents this sense of completeness There aren't seven individual different spirits of God, but the Spirit of God together uh, Has this complete uh, package if you like of supernatural help which he gives to those who are seeking to overcome so we have supernatural help available from the holy spirit in all of life that's what's for us and you read on through the passage and you see the promise he who overcomes will like them be dressed in white i will never blot out his name from the book of life They're in danger of death, they're in danger of spiritually dying, but the promise is of future and eternal life with a name written in the book of life. Nothing can be better than that. And knowing that where each person who overcomes, who stands up, who wants to honour the name of Jesus, will themselves be honoured by Jesus. Jesus will speak your name, will speak my name, if we're those who overcome, Jesus will honour us before his Father. Nothing can be better than that. It's worth us waking up. It's worth us considering this spiritual wake-up call. If God is waking us up, uh, then that's for our good. Even if it shocks us a little bit, even if it's a bit painful, even if it's a bit unpleasant, it's better to be woken up than to be left sleeping. So what is Jesus doing Amongst us, if he's waking us up, it's for good reason. and It's for our blessing and it's for the good of the world And I suppose then the question is How will we respond? Will we Take the warning? Will we rouse ourselves or will we kind of just turn back over? Will it require another shock to the system to kind of get our attention and maybe have us ask the question What am I living for? Let's be a people who are paying attention